How many times have you thought that'd be a great idea for a health tech company? Or maybe you've seen on the research and academic side, some raw data or concepts that have the potential to fuel the creation of some kind of health tech software or device. So then how do you take a health tech idea or some research concept and turn it into a commercial product? It can be a daunting, expensive, and a messy journey, and probably not one that you want to do on your own. One group that's been helping founders undergo this journey and come out the other side is the Health 10X Accelerator, which is delivered by UNSW founders in partnership with the George Institute. In this episode today, I'm joined by Dina Titkova from UNSW Founders and Parissa Glass from the George Institute. And in this episode, we're talking about the Health 10X Accelerator and how it's supporting startups to develop interventions, cures, and treatments to address the most pressing unmet medical needs globally. Collaboration starts with the Conversation Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. With me today is Dina Tikova from UNSW Founders and Dr. Parissa Glass from the George Institute. Dina is a health innovation catalyst, bringing 15 years of international business development experience in healthcare to support the next generation of entrepreneurs solving for the world's greatest challenges. Dr. Parissa Glass has extensive career experience across research, healthcare, and universities, and is using all of that to help build a hub for social innovation in global health at the George Institute to support researchers and emerging entrepreneurs to develop affordable and commercializable healthcare solutions. Hey, Dina and Parissa, hi, how are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Great to have you on the show. Look, it's an interesting one, isn't it? This topic of taking concepts from research to commercialization and all the great work that you do. And I've uh, got you from two different groups and keen to understand why. But firstly, I only gave a little bit of a snippet of you both in the intro there. Tell us about yourselves. Dina, tell us about you. Thanks, Peter. So I originally trained as a biomedical engineer. I was way much focused on working with people. So I went on a dark side or a business side and I worked as an engineer just to later on to understand that I really would like to be involved in the innovation space. That brought me to Stockholm in 2012, where the new world appeared, digital health, and everything was booming. And they just launched Digital Health Days conference. And the idea was that digital health will solve for all healthcare challenges in literally coming five years, not more. With this old buzz, I got engaged in the very first one as a first employee in a startup, in a digital health startup in Stockholm, which also happened to be an academic spin-out. So I got this first hand experience of what does it mean to be in a startup and drive health innovation. And I'm here in Australia since 2016. Firstly, working again on the industry side with medical director, looking after partnerships, innovative health ventures. And since 2019, I found myself here with UNSW Founders as Health10x Program Manager, very much enjoying supporting the next generation of health entrepreneurs. Love it. And I love how all of those things have kind of brought to what you're doing today. And it's great too, Dina, we did things all before talking health tech and UNSW founders as well. So it's great to be able to connect in this little industry. But Parissa, tell us a bit about you and your background. Yeah, thanks, Pete. 
I guess, uh, look, I come from a research background. I did basic research and I did my PhD at the university. And towards the end of my PhD, I kind of thought, look, I can stay in the lab for the rest of my life, which is great. And a lot of my friends did that, or I can choose a different path. So towards the end of my PhD, I started to study my MBA. So it's really interesting because the same week I graduated my PhD, I graduated my MBA and that same week I got married. So it was a very, very busy a couple of months. And I was lucky enough to, as a result of, I guess, combining my research and kind of a little bit understanding of business through an MBA to get a management position at a hospital, which was a fantastic opportunity to kind of really understand how research happens in healthcare settings which is quite different to universities and where I came from. And as a result of that, I guess it opened up opportunities for me to get into government organizations and then getting into medical research institutes. And I started managing clinical trials, then moved to operational management of an organization. And in the last three, four years, leading the entrepreneurship program for the George Institute, which is a medical research institute. Mm. Now, look, I think it's great from both of you hearing your journey through both the medical industry, the healthcare industry, or through research, academia, and then through onto the business and commercialize and entrepreneurial side as well, which I guess brings to where we are today. But help me fill that gap. There's Health 10X that we're talking about and the George and UNSW. How did this all come about? Why, why is this formed? So the George Institute, we are formally affiliated with the University of New South Wales. And in Australia, every medical research institute needs to be affiliated with the university. And that's mostly operational reasons, but also research and appointments within the universities, which is really important if you are in a research environment. So that's, I guess, primarily the reason we are connected is that we are formally affiliated in Australia with UNSW. And I guess this Health 10X, maybe if I say a little bit about it before I hand over to Dina, is that it was, we saw it as a great opportunity because what the George does well is really understanding the needs from the clinical side, from the community side, really understanding unmet medical needs. And what UNSW does really well, UNSW founders specifically we work with, is understanding business and how to get business and scale them up and support them and ensure that they become successful. So it made perfect sense for us to work together because the health startups need all the help they can get. And this provided a clear collaboration and something that made sense. And we've been running it for the past four years now. And if I can just jump in and echo what Parisa was saying, the uniqueness of HealthNext does come from this partnership. The UNSW Founders is the most comprehensive university-based entrepreneurship program, and the George Institute is one of the leading and globally recognized medical research institutes. And the George Institute provides participants with unmatched understanding of the global healthcare system and the problems that exist, and that is vital to creating globally successful company. While the UNSW Founders team, just to complement what the George Institute provides, provides such support as prototyping, 
for early stage founders, all of those are welcome to use our world-class makerspace to go from the idea concept into fully functioning prototype up to the point it can be used in a clinical trial. We also provide additional support to get founders investment ready. And that includes a lot of education, access to respective networks, and such an experience as pitching to the angel investors at the end of the program, because Unit W Founders also drives angel investor programs in partnership with Unit W Business School. And then the network and ecosystem, it's something that had been talked a lot recently. And if on top of our very comprehensive partnership, we will also bring into conversation Landwick Health Innovation Precinct, of which NSW and the George Institute is a part of, it opens up even more opportunities for collaboration, collocation, and accessing clinicians and researchers at completely unprecedented scale. Makes a lot of sense. That's really exciting. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients, or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members. It's literally the heart of everything we do, so consider joining as a THT Plus member. You can join anytime online. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT Plus. As you're talking through, I'm thinking about some of those resources and capabilities. They're all really important things for founders and startups. And I know that it's not like we're spoilt for choice, but there's an increasing number of accelerators and support programs available. Talk to me about how you went through that process in deciding that, you know, we need another accelerator through that combination of UNSW founders and the George to create Health 10X. Why create an accelerator to provide all of this? So maybe I'll take that and then I'll hand over to Dina. My philosophy is that you can't have enough activity in this ecosystem. So I wouldn't say there's too many accelerators because we want to support, create a very, I guess, vibrant ecosystem for these startups across the country. And if there is a few of them in the state of New South Wales or Victoria or other places, then I think it's for us to find a way to sort of all collaborate together and to support each other. And that's what we want to do. So that's, I guess, the first point that I wanted to make. Secondly, when we put Health 10X together as a concept, we thought about it quite a bit and we did a comprehensive review of what already exists in the ecosystem and what kind of support do they provide and what uh, kind of gaps exist in the ecosystem in Australia. 
And what Health 10X essentially does is an extension of what the George Institute is about, which is focusing on affordable healthcare solutions. And that's something we clearly could see that doesn't exist in Australia. An accelerator or an incubator program that essentially supports those ideas that might not be very sexy for high-income countries or for remote regions or for people who have very low accessibility to healthcare. But there is millions and millions of people around the world that need access. Some of it quite basic, right? So this is where we come into it. The George Institute is all about affordability, accessibility of care and equity. doesn't matter where you live. This is the premise and mission of the George Institute is to improve the lives of millions of people. And that's why we put Health 10X together. So if we just sum up and what we usually say about Health 10X, so this program exists to support startups developing affordable intervention cures and treatments that address the most pressing and medical needs globally. And what I guess we do slightly different compared to maybe some of the programs, we look beyond developed markets as an opportunity. So while very much traditional pathway for medtech or health tech innovation out of Australia would be US, UK, and maybe Japan, we try to open up this thinking and challenge our founders to find such business models for their solutions that they can be used truly globally. And with this thinking, they go through the program and graduate. The only thing I would love to highlight, not to confuse that we tell founders launch in developing countries only. What we teach them is really become a global solution, thinking about different types of business models, channels, and ways of bringing the solution for populations in most need. So that, I guess, another distinct kind of education and network that we provide to our founders. Maybe I add another point, and we feel that's really important. It's that we start from unmet medical needs. We don't want solutions to find a market. We want the market to drive the solution. Kind of what is the gap out there? doesn't matter where it might be, how big is the gap and is there alternative solutions for that gap already there that could be made more accessible? Is there a way we can use what already exists and make it more accessible to people or more affordable? So it's not about creating a business for the sake of a business. It's about businesses having a solution that addresses a massive problem. Uh, maybe it will be helpful if I just give one example of the startups that went through the program. So in 2019, we have worked with a team called Cardiobionic. And their vision is to bring to the market an affordable heart assist technology. Why do we need an affordable heart assist technology? Because nine people globally on an annual basis die from heart failure because we don't have enough heart transplants for those. But also we cannot afford to give 9 million people heart assist technology as those are very expensive. Think around 100,000 US dollars. So what the team, the cardiobionic team does and are very well into their journey is to bring this cost down minimum 60%. So more people around the world would be saved by using their heart assist technology while waiting at the heart for the heart in transplant or possibly just living the rest of their life. And that need was generated not by the engineer 
for developing solution. That need came from a cardiac surgeon, Dr. Balakrishnan, who is operating out of Chennai, India, who basically reached out to Air, who is the founder of Cardiobank, and told him, this does not work. We need something more affordable. Can you create one? And something that started as a discussion, a very classic way, in the back of the napkin over dinner, actually now is a venture going through our clinical studies already past annual phase and just recently did in vivo implant at St. Vincent's Hospital. Have a beautiful manufacturing facility down south of Sydney, working with leading cardiac surgeons, employed students from UNSW. And one thing that maybe makes us very proud, that the founder, Peter, always used to say, if not for health to next, I would most probably drop it. Because me, as an engineer, I had no idea how to write business plan and raise money. And we provided him a platform to actually do this post program. It sounds like it's really important to have that bridge, you know, between on one side, it's really important, obviously, in healthcare to have that strong foundational research and capability that exists in the first place. And, you know, that might come out from an academic perspective. But as you talked about in that example, the real world understanding of what those clinical needs are are really important so that we're not just taking experiments out of labs or, you know, ideas from software developers and just putting them out. So it sounds like that's a really important part that you play to help kind of translate some of these research concepts into commercial ideas. Is that about right? Yeah, that sounds correct. And the testament for positive trend, I would say that it really works and the ecosystem is getting more ready. We've been fascinated to see that quarter of participants in our pre-accelerator phase for this year were clinicians. So we didn't even need to validate the need was real or not. Clinician came into the program with a passion to really solve for things that they saw broken in the way the system works. We also had a beautiful subset of health researchers who came into the program to learn how to translate their research into viable businesses. And for them, uh, we do have um, testimonials saying that it was life-changing and they will think different the way they progress with research and the way they communicate the outcome of this research as well. So providing this platform is essential for different groups, but what is most beautiful in the cohort environment, that then the industry founders, those who come from a great industry understanding and with some technology backgrounds, were exposed to researchers and clinicians within the cohort. And we saw an absolutely beautiful collaboration forming within the period of just four weeks of the pre-accelerator. So network, peer-to-peer learning, and access to the right knowledge. Just to add to what Gina said is another aspect of what we do with Health 10X. It's, I guess, a typical accelerator program, you might think. But it's really about working together to create future entrepreneurs and create the capacity around some of what we just talked about and bringing those innovators and researchers kind of together early so they can identify a problem, narrow it to a solvable kind of ideas and then take that forward to something that makes sense. And if that is going to become a commercial viable product or is going to go ahead and change somebody's life or people's lives in a different way, I think that's just the byproduct of some of the work that we do and we plan to do going forward. 
And thinking about, you know, it might be someone listening and they might come more from a clinical perspective or from a technology side and potentially for them, the idea of partnering with academia only sounds like it's going to slow down the process. I'm not sure if that's the perception generally that it might be difficult to engage with any learning center, a university, a place where this type of work comes from. Do you find it's a difficult kind of transition from bringing elements from this more traditional academic and you know university setting into something like a fast-paced environment of startups? Do those things go together well? They absolutely do when done and approached in the right way. So just uh, maybe easier to read and understand through some of the examples. So what we do in the health next, we also educate our startups on how to work with and approach academics to really make them understand what academic and research world is about. So they're not naive thinking that they would just come to a professor, tell them, I've got this awesome thing down here, please test it for me in a clinical trial. So it does not really work this way. And through our education modules, we provide an understanding potential mechanism of doing so. And in reality, what happened, we already have a lot of success stories where such collaboration actually accelerated the business growth of a startup. So in 2020, one of our startups started were in a movie, Mobile UV Technologies, engaged with a leading researcher out of School of Optometry to validate their solution. This was also facilitated through UNSW Tech Transfer Office who is best placed to advise what are the mechanisms of funding such a study and finding the pathway that works for both the research group and the startup. As an outcome, startup has validated their solution with a leading professor with a renowned name, and they could take those data and go back into clinical settings to reassure them the solution is safe and efficient. And another beautiful example, and I'll let Teresa to talk more about that one. Just last year, we have supported team Norflux developing a solution for continuous monitoring of brain activity for people post-stroke. And this is also brings us to another fascinating example of collaboration between startup and academia. And I'll just pass to Teresa to give us the latest where they are at. Yeah, thanks, Dina. I guess, yeah, this it's a very interesting, I guess, question you asked, Pete, about the collaboration between academia and startup or innovators, and they sort of might feel, how do we go about it? Or what's the best way to sort of approach these people? One thing is that they're very time poor. So what we do through Health Tinix is to make sure that our time poor clinicians and researchers, um, their time is used effectively. So when we approach them, we actually approach them with something that we've done due diligence. So we asked a lot of questions. We go through what they kind of are doing, what the founders are up to. Have they thought about this and that? And before we actually make the connection. So it makes the collaboration kind of run smoothly. So on the example that Tina mentioned, Neuroflux, one thing that worked really well is the founders themselves. They're just amazing guys and they want to make this product work. They want to get it to the hands of people. And they've already understood what the unmet need is. And what we've got at the George Institute is a program, Global Brain Health, uh, which is a program that's been running for close to 20 years, uh, mostly doing stroke research, but now it's expanding to many areas that all affects the brain. 
And it made perfect sense to kind of bring Neuroflux because it's all about continuous monitoring of the brain post-stroke with our professor, Craig Anderson, who's essentially all, all his life is about researching stroke. He's a neurologist. So when we brought these two teams together, because Neuroflux, the guys, the founders were just so much energy and they understood the environment and Craig being so passionate, it just made sense. And some of it is chemistry, as Professor Anderson says, the chemistry worked really well. And we already knew that these guys are going to work well together. So what works with Health 10X is that we sort of do that homework ahead of time. Then we bring the academics and the founders together and we, we hold their hands. You have to, you can't just let them go and try and find it. Why? Because they're all time poor. So you do have to provide a lot of support, which we're trying to do through Health 10X mm. platform. That's a great example. I didn't even tell you before recording this, but I'm speaking to David from Neuroflux, I think in a couple of weeks on the podcast anyway. So we'll get to learn a lot about them in detail, funnily enough. So that's a, a good primer for that one, but great, great example. And then thinking then from a perspective of founders generally that might be listening, it's all clinicians from that matter, you know, who feel like there might be an unmet clinical need or there's a problem to be solved, but it's only that little inkling or there's a, you know, solution they're looking at building. Any advice for startup founders that are looking to address some of these unmet clinical needs? How do they make sure that they're going about, you know, making sure those problems are solved? I could start with just highlighting what we say uh, to our founders in the health next. We always start with customer discovery and value proposition validation. We want them to go outside and test whether the solution they think is a solution for their met need actually will be of interest to people outside of their very close circle. So the very first thing, it's sometimes very uncomfortable, especially for like clinicians and researchers. We make them do another type of research, which is going out there and having some time to understand what is the value chain for this type of solution, who will be using how much, and also last but not least, is there a willingness to pay? Because if no one is prepared to pay for this type of a solution, how will you make it sustainable in the long run? So we really go hard about this pre-work before they progress into really developing a fully functioning, beautiful product that will be looking for a problem to address. And I guess if you take a step back, it's really about the founders understanding the need and not getting too emotionally attached to the solution that they might be working on. Because once you connect with the end user or clinician or mm. people to really understand the unmet need, you're going to have to change it. So you have to be prepared. I guess the founders have to be prepared that the solution or how you think that you might want to approach that problem looks very different from your perspective to the perspective of the people that are providing the care or the ones that are essentially going to access the care. So it's very important that everybody's kind of prepared that what you start with might not be what you end up with and what gets into the hands of the end user. And I guess that comes back to founders. So our program is called GNSW Founders, and it's called Founders for a reason. And we always tell to our startups, as much as we look after your business growth, we look after your 
personal growth even more. And B, when it comes to selecting teams who will progress, for example, to second phase of our program, which is called Accelerator for a limited number of startups. At the end of the day, we will pay a particular attention to the founders, whether they are open to feedback, whether they're ready to accept it, are they ready to pivot? Do we feel this energy within them if they will make it happen no matter what while taking the advice? Because unfortunately, sometimes we come across absolutely outstanding breakthrough innovations, but they do not have those right founders to take them to the market. And unfortunately, we see that it usually goes nowhere. Yeah. Isn't it funny how the types of technology used or the innovative solution is usually a couple of rungs down on the priority list when it comes to the most important factors and like you say, falling in love with and getting immersed in the problem to be solved and the way that people access some of those ways to address it and, you know, ensuring you're building the right team and got the right people behind it and then the rest can work out from there. So that's some great advice for people who might be looking on going on that journey as well. Just lastly then, thinking then for Health 10X, what can we look forward to seeing from the program in the coming months? What's on the horizon for you? Oh, we will be busy as always. We have just finished our pre-accelerator phase. We had a beautiful showcase just to celebrate outstanding achievements of startups. They've done such a fantastic job. We could not be more proud and we've been open with them about this. What the next phase is about is selecting six teams from a cohort of 25, those who would go into our accelerator phase. An accelerator, as the name suggests, means that for 10 weeks, we will be doing from both Unit W founders and the George Institute, whatever it takes to set companies for success, to get all the foundations right so they can get investment ready and rapidly grow. So in November, we will have a public showcase to celebrate, again, the achievements over six startups. And meanwhile, you can also support us on during SparkFest, that's taking place in October. And we do work on a few upcoming networking opportunities and webinars just to build on a series we have started a few months back when we held Brain Health Seminar and we held Women's Health Seminar to really educate the public, the audience, what the real problems are that urgently require being addressed. So we're just thinking how to continue this type of education and bring this knowledge to a wider ecosystem. Perfect. Well, look, I'll put the details in the show notes of this episode for people to check out in their own time and connect with Health 10X and also look at more information in relation to UNSW founders and the George Institute as well. Dr. Parissa Glass, Dina, I really appreciate you making the time to have a chat on the show and look forward to connecting with you very soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player and it should just take you straight there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.